Like from drinking? No, just puked. Oh, last Are we year, on the mic right now? That's a good combo. Last year I did. I got the flu. What? Was it 2018? 2018, yeah. But I hadn't thrown up in a long time before then. Really? Got si- I got then. sick once. Grand Valley State University f- final exam. Sat down. Started getting the cold sweats. <laughs> in like Grand At Grand Valley. And, like, all of a sudden, I'm like, I got to leave. So, I, like, left for a while in the middle of the exam. Puked at the uh, Eberhard Center. Now, I think just the flu. Bert, when was the last time you threw up? It's been a really long time. I dry heaved after I ran really hard one day up in the Y. But because I was doing some kind of sprints or something by, by myself, and I... I was running like two laps as hard as I could, and I got done. And yeah. I was so weird, and I just ran over. I thought I was gonna throw up. That's other than that. It's been since that story where I swallowed my crown. Have you had I the took flu? the stuff. Yeah. Have you not had the flu at all? I don't throw up. Oh. I've only thrown up when I was sick when I was a little kid, and then I threw up when I drank too much in high school, uh-huh. yeah. and then I threw up when I ran hard in high school, and then I threw up from that story. Was That's that the only times I've ever was thrown that up the in my life. Milk, cross country chocolate milk. Or strawberry no, milk? No, strawberry milk, no. Strawberry yeah, milk. that was the same era. Okay. had nothing to do with the strawberry milk. I When my coach made me run the half mile and the mile, I was a quarter mile runner. When I had to run the half mile or mile, almost every time I threw up because he there was no strategy. He said sprint. <laughs> so two, two laps sprint, around the two track. Full laps. Yeah, that's what he would do too. And he could tell if you let up. So Hopkins would be yelling, oh, Llama! Gerald, which is a whole other story. Gerald Hopkins. I had my head whole head buzzed and a tuft of hair only in the front that was about six inches long that my mom gave me a perm in. <laughs> and he called me Llama Butt, Seriously? my coach, because he said that tuft of hair that hung down on my face <laughs> looked like a llama tail hanging over my face and it flapped like a llama running in his butt. And so all four, I only had that for part of one season that was my freshman year all four years i was known as llama or llama but i'm attracting unique perspective that he had because of all the things that you could choose yeah something that no one really llama butt is a llama or well acquainted enough with their butts to say my i wish i went to high school with you kirk i would have had your back oh you would have have fun at cphs (laughs) i told my dentist that you had swallowed your crown, and then he's like, "Well, did you go to the? Did he go to the hospital?" I'm like, "Nope. He just went to the store and drank some hydrogen." Well, I did have to go get X-rays. You did? Yeah, I was throwing up on the X-ray table. Was I drank all that syrup of Ipecac? Two Dude, do you know the whole story? Two. They bottles? had to get X-rays because just like what you're about to say, the dentist was worried I either aspirated it in my lung or it would somehow be stuck. Like he wanted to make sure it wasn't in my lung. <laughs> in your lung? Yeah, that's a what tooth? they have to worry about. Yeah, it'll go in the wrong pipe. And Would it like root into your tooth? Into- no, you'll have to have surgery. If it goes into your lung, you're done. Oh my word! But you'll and die. you might, yeah, you might die. And and then and if it go, if you swallow it, it's still not great, but it usually passes. And so they just want to make sure it's in the right spot. I swallowed a marble once. Did it pass? So, you hope it's still in there. Roughage might be my lung. <laughs> I feel a rattle when I you're run. You're only my- supposed to take what a teaspoon of Ipecac to get your stomach turned. Yeah, it was, a, it was a teaspoon. He drank a full bottle. No, I drank it in the right amount first. It didn't do anything because I don't throw up, remember? Like, it's yeah, very hard. Yeah, at, when does, it, your, does your flap I took a second. I, t- I took a second. <laughs> I took a second dose. Didn't do anything. I'm like, I just have an iron stomach. So I drank the whole bottle, waited a little while, didn't do anything. So I drank another bottle. This is not making me look very bright. But then it hit me, and then I threw up continuously for about eight hours. Like, I mean, you know, I threw up real for about, no tooth came out either. It was hard. When I got to the, oh when I got to the x-ray, they were like, oh yeah, it's already way past your stomach. It already went down. So, Ugh. uh, it was a gold tooth to $1,200 and never found it. I, I was, this is the what? part of the story, which I don't, you might have to edit out, but I was so determined to find, <laughs> find that thing, shifting. find that thing. I was taking 
dumps in the woods back behind my house and going through it with a stick to find my gold tooth. So perfect. <laughs> and, and guess what? Guess what my wife's response was? Insane laughter every time. Every time Still she saw laughing. me down in the woods digging through my poop with a stick. Still, She's just good. dying laughing at that's me. Good. Because it was a... I mean, I didn't know what... A, I, I was really doubting whether that tooth would ever go back in my mouth mm-hmm. after having been through on the journey it had. Ooh. But... 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 And and they didn't have to pay for it. I actually knew the dentist. He's a friend of mine, a friend's dad. And I, I felt bad because he was going to pay for it. And uh, and maybe I thought maybe they'd sterilize it or something. But I never found it. <laughs> nah. Maybe it's still in me. I don't know. Ooh. Do you ever saw like a metal detector at the it, airport? <laughs> no, and I have a whole armful of metal. That's I don't true. get why that didn't work either. Those I think it's fake. It's, it's all a, fake. It's aluminum. They're aluminum still profiling. Sure they just down. Yeah. yeah. Gosh, that's a funny story. Man. When's the last time you puked? Uh, yeah. You know what made me think about that was that Seinfeld episode where he goes, "I haven't puked since 1988." Oh, yeah. and then he ends up puking at the end of the episode. Oh, in that no. Are you saying that something's going to happen? No, no, no. <laughs> I don't know why. Are you feeling okay? I haven't thrown up since last January when I was living at Kevin Lee's house while he was on vacation. Ooh. I got some sort of virus. Ooh. But that's it's not really a big story other than I was living at my realtor's house while he was on vacation because my house wasn't ready yet. And it was very providential. Well, welcome to episode number who knows. And... Um, we're back in the shed. Yeah. Where we belong. Got to sit back next in to the a shed. 1972 DT 120. 125, I think. 125. Yamaha. Cycle, unbelievably. Un- if that bike could tell us some beautiful. stories. Nearly restored. Soon to be restored. And uh, we're here to just have a little chat with each other and potentially. Every other person on earth who has access to iTunes or SoundCloud. We salute you, everyone. Welcome to the Steepletown Podcast, where we uh, have a semi-informed conversation with one another about three things. Faith, culture, and adventure. Three things that we care deeply about. We did a little bit of an episode about that last week, just to talk about the why, set the stage a little bit, reference that um, if, if you haven't really heard our heart on it. But these three topics just seem to be things that are pillars to our worldview. And so we'd like to bring some topics to the table. So who wants to go first? Anything rolling around in you guys' pea-sized brains? I'm excited to talk, but I don't want to go first. <laughs> All right. I will go first, and I want to ask you guys, being as you guys are a little bit older than I am, and you've seen culture change exponentially over the last 20 or 30 years, and you've seen the, the change, the rise and fall of places like Blockbuster in because of thing innovation and change. <laughs> oh, there's a fly out here. Innovation and change with Netflix or uh, slow-growing things that it seems like people look at and think that'll never catch on. Catch on. What about uh, Kodak and how they invented the digital camera, but now they're gone. 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 They're, they're around, but and it's they went all bankrupt. digital now. And so, what? Uh, what was your experience in seeing those things happen? Did you get in early? Uh, does it make you want to do Movie Pass or things? I mean, like, hey, what happened to Movie Pass? It's still going. <laughs> they're, they're still, still they were, trying to squirrel. I heard around. nothing but Movie Pass for like a month. I had. And then I heard, I have you still Pass. have it? No, I canceled it. Why? They said to me, "We are changing your agreement." I agreed to a seven ninety nine yeah. pass for a year. Halfway through the year, they said we're changing it. You can cancel or you can accept our new terms. What was the new terms? It was like fourteen dollars a month, right? or it was double what Unlimited we agreed. And, and there was a bunch of blackouts. No, and no, it was it, it quickly stopped <laughs> being unlimited movies and started being non-popular movies during prime time, and then popular movies during matinee. Ten a.m. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> ten a.m. on Wednesday, you can go see. It was US. such a. And you had to be within like 30 yards of the, the movie theater and you had to check in and your app always had to be updated. 
And then you're, they loaded on your card, and it was such a headache yeah. that AMC just came out with a new... I mean, I'm a Stubbs member at AMC anyways, and they just came out with a new thing for $20 a month. You can see three movies anytime you want, and that's pretty close to the same price. No blackouts, just straight nope. up three movies. No rules. Hmm. But anyways, I didn't do that. I may, but I... Haven't been in the movies in a while. Yeah, it was just funny because I heard that. It was like the greatest thing in the world. Everybody was talking about it. And then a month later, it was like, I heard a few people say like, oh, they changed it. A couple, I didn't hear that much. And all of a sudden, nobody ever talked about it. So well, it must they, have died. It, it's kind of dying. They did one of those reverse splits, is that what it's called, with their stock. And it went down to like one penny. Oh, or okay. something like that from where it was. And they just have been kind of splitting and scrambling. But oh. What was your experience when it comes to... Like, not just a flash-in-the-pan company like MoviePass, but something like Blockbuster. It's been around for decades, Kodak, you know, and then you see it rise and fall. Yeah. I think that the the thing that we saw in the... Are you talking about your dog? My dog that's barking? Yeah, that's all right. Just a little color. The, <laughs> we... We... Um, well, reading that... The article about Kodak and some of these are, I think, even Blockbuster a little bit because I heard that uh, someone pretty high up at Blockbuster was like, maybe VP or something was like, this is what we got to do. But they just, so one of the things the that. The board didn't, didn't go with yeah, it. He yeah. He saw Netflix coming, called it. Predicted it, yeah. The board was like, nope, it's never going to catch on. So he's yeah. retired. So the thing with that happened with Kodak, which has been often analyzed and often written about, but I think. That article we read was the first one that I read that called that that drew out a different point, which is not that they didn't move fast enough or they didn't call it right because they that article basically said they did call it right. I mean, two or three years into the digital camera revolution, they had twenty seven percent of the market. They invented the digital camera. It wasn't that they didn't understand where it was going. Here's the fundamental thing that happened. It's not that the market changed. The market went away. The market went away. There was everybody spent lots of money on cameras and photography. Now that nobody spends sweet. hardly any money on cameras and photography. Kodak meaning, cameras. Yeah, meaning meaning every 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 family had a camera. They yep. bought film. They had their film developed. They bought photo albums or slides and showed their neighbors their vacation pictures on the slide projector or whatever else they did. And now and, and here's the crazy you thing. You don't have like a bunch of pictures in your wallet that that unfolds in a lot. Dude, that was a thing. Oh, that was. That th- yeah. think about. It. So so what that all that became is literally the whatever percentage of my phone is devoted to uh, to taking pictures, which is you know my my phone's a few hundred dollars. There's also there's screen, there's battery, there's microphones, there's GPS, there's accelerometers, whatever else is in my phone, what percentage is the camera? You know, what? Maybe 10, maybe 5. So I spend, uh, you know, every couple of years I spend 50 bucks on on, a camera. on photos. Yeah. On, on, and I take more pictures than I ever have, yep. and I look at more pictures far more than yep. I ever did, but I spend $50 every two years. Kodak used to... I, Back You're almost in the, a better photographer now because you can actually see it, yeah. see it, filter it, edit it, adjust yep. it, yeah. everything's yeah. so much more user-friendly. But the problem is that the money in the industry of... Uh, now, you could look at it a different way and go, well, if you got into data or Facebook or something like that or Instagram, then there was money, but there really isn't. I don't spend money on any of those things. They, some people would say somehow I do, but... In, in the, but really, I don't. Not like my da- parents spent on cameras and film and all yeah, that stuff. Not, so they, so, so the market it. just went away. It went away. It, it, love of pictures and photography did not. The market business of taking pictures went away. So they just didn't. It's kind of like you could say that with Betamax, with VHS, with DVDs. Like all of a sudden, there's these waves of like, there's yeah. no mar- more market for VHS. It's just a better way to do it. Yeah. I well, mean, it's just. You used to spend money on a VCR and you spent money on all the VHS tapes, renting or buying. Or. Taping or taping a rewinder because oh. you don't want to wear out. You don't want to <laughs> wear kind. out your VCR. Yeah. Be kind, rewind. Yep, yep. be kind, rewind. Those are so fast. <laughs> and then, but you're right. But then now, it's like that whole market shifted too. Because even if you have Netflix or your good friend has Netflix and you know their login, mm-hmm. <laughs> then you, 
<laughs> then you you're only spending nothing on all the movies that you watch. Or mm-hmm. and we even buy some movies on iTunes, but it's still I have them forever theoretically and they're not getting lost or scratched or ruined or whatever and it's that market changed drastically yeah no no it's just do you have any like regrets or did you have the opportunity to invest or like anything like <laughs> that and then just didn't at one point one stop coney was selling hot dogs for one bitcoin for one bitcoin yeah. i remember that Right, and so I do kind of. I did miss the two thousand and seven wave of Bitcoin, but what's one Bitcoin worth now? Three thousand four hundred dollars at that, the time is worth. At the time is worth one dollar. You could buy a hot last dog. Last year, I mean, last year was up to when was it twelve thousand or whatever it was? Was it twelve thousand? Yeah. Anyways, what were you gonna say, Josh? No, I, I guess it's just it's interesting for me. It's like someone as a company even like Netflix. That's kind of been able to, you know, you think about it as, even if you think about it as a fad or a trend, but even Netflix, it's kind of like it's hung on, it's gained more subscribers, but you think about it, you're talking about Blockbuster, it's like, well, what happened to those companies is not to be able to continue to innovate and kind of catch on it, but yet you would think, okay, we're, I don't know how, how old Netflix is now, 10 years probably? 10 years, no, 12 years? Actually, I, mean, they had the, the, I mean, you said the DVD rental like they was, have now, the Red Box. That was a long time ago. That was a I long think. time ago. That's where they first got started. But you would you would have thought they would have like fizzled out, but they haven't. I mean, think about so many companies that have slowly died. I mean, here we are talking I mean, in but today's that, world. Netflix is a good example because they changed. They have. You still can do the video. Could you do the video rental? Still, can you get that option? I heard that you can. I don't know that for sure. But Someone they have definitely moved into the digital, digital, realm. and then producing their own stuff. Yeah. you know, so they're willing to do what Kodak wasn't willing to do, and Fujifilm was, which was diversify, yeah. figure out what actual strengths you have, and then just try and yeah. see what grows. Well, Fuji, Fuji said we got a bunch of chemical stuff sitting around. Let's we're gonna, cosmetics. Let's do makeup. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna um, take all our film stuff and get into medical health uh, imaging and also Hollywood type film stuff. So they did a lot of smart. yeah. They yeah, just broadened smart. out. They looked thought differently. They gambled. They gambled and lost a few times. But when you diversify, you don't. You, you know, you don't have all your chips mm-hmm. in one thing. And Kodak gambled on the the thing that won. There just wasn't enough to support there that big of a company to, well, to be sustainable. The I mean, crazy it, thing, it, it died. I mean, I had the, I had like three Kodak digital cameras. I thought they were like the awesomest thing ever. <laughs> three megapixel, five <laughs> megapixel. <laughs> now I have a now I have a cheap iPhone. It's got like a twelve megapixel camera. Yeah, yeah. Like we're talking about. Yeah. For. 50 bucks for four or five years that you have the phone. Dude, were you you read that article, right? Yeah. The thing I was freaking out about was that the reason they had such a lock on the industry, only Kodak and Fuji, was because they had color film had a 24-layer uh, process to make the film. For 24 chemicals or, or things that they put on the film. To produce the color film? Yeah, to produce color film. 24 layers of chemicals or heat or, like, all these things, dryers, all these different things they put on them. Giant factory turning out millions of things. 24 layers of process, 100% in the dark, no light. Gigantic factories turning out millions of rolls of film, no light. They, they, nobody else could do it. Fuji and Kodak were the only ones who could build a structure. They, they had built it, and nobody could crack into the market. You, you or I was like, oh, man, people are spending millions on film. Let's start doing it. What are you going to do? 24 layers of ke- different chemicals in the dark? Do you like the workers were night vision? No, they were actually all blind. Oh, were they? <laughs> so it didn't matter. So it didn't Dude, matter. How amazing would it be if that were true? Well, they just had that night vision or blind. Need jobs, yeah. I don't. I th- I've thought that same question, Josh. I don't know the answer, but they we'll the, the article later. said it was all in the dark. So I don't know if they had like tunnels of machinery that operated in there, and then the factory was light, but then in these secluded chambers, all the stuff happened. I don't know, but wow. they said it was all in the dark. So I was like, what? That is uh, innovation at its best, and. So something I think about culture and innovation and change and stuff, and this is just my moral of the story, is it seems like what you just said was pretty profound about it being a gamble. That feeling, 
people don't often love like the feeling of this is kind of a gamble. Mm-hmm. Um, it's easier to play it safe. And when you're gambling, it just feels very lonely. That's just something that I feel like I have personally experienced in life where if you try and try and go down the path, the road less traveled, not a lot of people are traveling down that road. So by nature, you don't feel the confirmation bias of like yeah. all your friends and group around you. And it can, it can be kind of psychologically weird. Um, you also lot. don't have any assurance of the future. Yeah. yeah. So you've got this l- lonely endeavor that could go to nothing. Like, I mean, I don't, I'm not sure if, how long Edison was doing that light bulb test before, like, with, with like, is this ever going to work? Is this ever going to, or did he know it would? But and he does just, anyone have assurance on no. either side well, anyways? Well, no, you're you right. You just have probability, and then you convince yourself that you're innovation. I was going to say, but if you feel like you do, I'm talking about feelings. Oh. You know, like, when you're innovating, you feel... Your emotions are this could all be for nothing. Nothing, and when you're when you're doing a sure thing or what you think is a sure thing, your emotions are I'm doing a sure thing. I feel like that feeling though, if people really dug deep, would be common in uh, like a dead end job, and yet you have the promise and assurance that this is going to produce something, but there's a dissonance where you still feel like I'm not doing anything, and so. I wouldn't choose. I wouldn't choose all the assurance in the world that a dead end job could give me, before I tried and failed at something that felt like an innovative gamble or whatever. Maybe that'll I'm, be my demise. I'm well. I'm with you. Yeah, I think I that that's that. a that's a noble pursuit, and I think and I actually like it. It's admirable, but I don't think that's where a lot of people are. I don't think. people you just said the keywords. You said like if they thought deep enough. Like most people don't. Most kids don't going off to college to spend eighty thousand dollars or whatever on four years aren't thinking this could be all for nothing. They're 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 thinking everybody told me to do this. This is the way to go. Yeah, this is the way to go. And the and the kid going, I'm not going to do that. What everybody else do? I'm going to try to start my own business. He's the one. His emotions are going. This might not work. Well, let me wrap this up then by asking <laughs> you one very important question: What is an, a gamble you're going to take next? Ooh. Hmm. Anywhere, like professionally or f- sure. family or an investment or a life change or a different. I mean, what's the next thing that you or can a fart? Ne- <laughs> <laughs> allowed. You never take a gamble, gamble a few times in that one. <laughs> gamble. That would be a shark reference for those of you who are. <laughs> Did I just sure. bring the? Weren't sure where we're going. Kirk has forged a, an idiom in our friendship. To gamble and lose. Yeah. You thought it was going to be a fart, but you lost that gamble. (laughs) I'm sorry if I just brought the whole bar down on this thing, but... um. (laughs) So far, we have Kirk sifting through his poop, and we have... Shark gambles. Shark idioms. So, no, it's good. This podcast is going really well. (laughs) I think... All right, so one. I mean, do you have a? Do you have something? Yeah, on the my head, there are there are several things that are of course there is. swimming around our friend of circles. Course. One would be um, storing up things for if the grade goes out. That's a gamble that sometimes, it, it, which is funny, a hundred years ago, everybody does it. Everybody you know, stores up food for in case of a yeah. war, in case of famine, yeah. or whatever. Nowadays, if you have anything. If you store up anything, you're kind of a nut job. Or you're like, whoa, Y2K, kind of, you know. It's so funny to me. But you're kind of gambling a little bit on that this this society or the... It will always function as, yeah. Um, cryptocurrency has its ups and downs every year. And that could be something that you guys or, or people invest in or not. Um, and why would you? Why wouldn't you? Why wouldn't you? It might be a better question. Um, I don't know how to do it. Yeah, <laughs> I, I tried to talk my youngest son's teacher, who's teaching computers, said, "Hey, you can teach these kids like cryptocurrency and like data fraud stuff," and she couldn't give me an answer. And I was at the conferences last week. Uh, yeah, let's not worry about she coding. A couple let's times not, and looked let's at not you. make. <laughs> let's not worry about coding and and uh, typing. Let's work on like cryptocurrency, where these kids can make a little dinero. 
Oh, I guarantee there's kids in those computer labs. You think so? Making some money doing something. There's always a way. I mean, kids are, someone's crypto- always finding a way. I mean, I'd invest in cryptocurrency. Just give me an avenue to get in on it. Damn. Okay. I will. Damn. I have six Litecoin. I don't even know what a Lite, Litecoin I, is. Yeah, why don't you share? Is it share? like a silver Dan, dollar? There's an expectation in this triad here that of some sharing of <laughs> I mean, of knowledge and information. All right, well, we're talking about. Didn't you guys know way back when you could have got in on Netflix I or will Facebook? I love to talk to you guys about that. Sometime, Is Netflix public? Do you know? I don't know. Are they publicly traded? I think they are. Because man, if you would have, I could be wrong. Twitter. I mean, all that stuff. Oh, if it is, I don't really know. Can we create trade. our own cryptocurrency? No. Uh, that's the thing about it. I'll tell you. We don't need to get into it. Right. I'll tell you all about it. But back we also to, don't want everybody to know. Back to gambling. It's basically like gold. I mean, there's there's a limited amount of it, and that's the only way it has value. So there really isn't. But someone has decided that who's, so that it will have value. Well, then Who countries create, like Venezuela, whose yeah. actual currency is tanking, are trying to get into cryptocurrency, and that only adds. I mean, yeah. Think Who? about it. Your Venmo and Cash App both have uh, Bitcoin on them. So either everybody's thinking this thing is going somewhere and are delusional, or this is just who created becoming... the value of Bitcoin. No, we don't have all time for this. Yeah, but I can send you some. Well, hey, let's talk some other time, but yeah. for sure, we'll set up a whole, back to gambling. Set up a whole episode on our back to gambling secret podcast. Yep. yep. Anyways, um, got got anything that you guys are gonna gamble on? I'm gambling again on my dog. Actually, my girls are my wife and my daughters because they want to have puppies, and it's like a, uh, it's a fun thing, and it's also a money maker. I yeah. mean, people lose their minds with these dogs; yeah. they're like thousands of dollars. And we're going in on our third try to get puppies, nice. and it's always like Maybe Molly. Molly was dry at the vet today with the dog, and they were doing some kind of blood tests, and they have to get all these clearances. And she met the lady who has the male dog and it's a whole world that i don't really pay attention to except it's a gamble because they go they go in like we're we're several thousand in now to get the dog pregnant with the previous attempts and now this attempt and you know it could pay off but it could be she's a we could definitely work in some of the jeep price on uh oh you want a puppy maybe maybe not we are about to have a baby so probably shouldn't yeah Another dog's probably Who knows? the best thought right We could work in something. <laughs> a puppy is probably not the best thought. Yeah. I mean, a, a, a mature yeah. dog. You can have yeah. Renna. Ooh, I like I Renna. said a mature dog. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right. Moving right along. Josh, what's rolling around in your head these days on faith? Oh, on faith. So many things. So many levels. Um... I mean, this I'm constantly tossed around stuff because because I don't I don't really play in the role that you guys play in being uh, working for a church as pastors. We never toss around things. Yeah. No, I mean you toss around stuff, but I just toss around stuff probably on a different thought level than you guys. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I just wonder. I always seem to struggle with the the church. I guess if we're going to talk about some struggles and some stuff, is this the struggle of the church and just like how do we work into acceptance and how do we work into the idea of where do we get with acceptance of of all? You know, we talk about we we hear that we hear the message of love your neighbors. We hear the message of of caring for others, loving for others. But at the at the at the root of it all. Where is the church, and how does the church move forward with someday? With how do we decide on the acceptance of others? I mean, I always struggle with the idea of you know, with whether it be uh, homosexuality or or whatever situation someone has. How do we how do we get to the place of where we know whether it be biblically, whether we be today's reality of of our our faith? How do we get to the point of what do we know? from a church standpoint, how to know where do we accept people or not, and how do we get to that point of do we accept everybody? I mean, if we truly are supposed to love everybody, are we truly, are we really loving everybody, and are they, can they walk in the doors of a church, sit down in those seats, and be fully accepted? And, and if we can't, I don't know. 
I just that's one of those things I always wrestle with. You know, I I look at churches and it's and I, I think I probably have more of a personal take on it. Um. But I just, I don't know. I mean, you guys obviously from a, a different standpoint can probably add a little bit to this this conversation. I mean, it's and it's just a single point or single topic. But where do we go with the church of today, the today's church, accepting? Are we are we in danger of not accepting? Is there a danger of not accepting people of people further not wanting to be involved with the church? I feel like there's different. Um and maybe People have different deep... definitions about what acceptance yeah. is. So maybe mm-hmm. we can shed some light on what you mean by acceptance. Ooh. Well, I mean, if we're supposed to accept everybody, and it's a struggle. I mean, I don't know the answer. But, I mean, what, should, we be, should we be accepting of everybody to come to a church, feel welcome, to hear the gospel of Jesus? And at the same time, should they not be... And, I, and you're right. And how do I how do I say this correctly? But should they be allowed to participate with the church in various capacities? Yeah, that's difficult. And, it, and, and it, I'm just I'm just trying to sort out exactly what you're asking. But I'm not aware of. I'm sure they exist. I don't know. I couldn't name a place, a church in the city that you couldn't get in the doors if you were something like someone yeah. stood at the door and said you can't come in here. Yeah. Uh, so that maybe that's true. Unless you were personally involved in that church, like for example, a guy at our church who was in an affair situation, and we were like, "Your whole family's here, and you're not. We're not trying to have you come here with your girlfriend, and just because you want to go to church here, and so we're just going to draw some boundaries to protect them from like whatever, um, whatever emotional." even your young kids, you mm-hmm. know, trauma that might, you know, sort of protect them. So other than that... Well, that's right. a good example because that stands out in my mind. Like that, I, I, and, I, and I don't argue with it. I mean, I, I assume there's good reasoning and all that stuff, but I, that, I don't have any other stories like that. Like I don't know of any other... I'm sure they sure. exist. Sure. I have not... You know, I grew up in the church. I don't... I remember some things being said and done that I wouldn't agree with that probably don't lean towards acceptance, but I don't, I never saw those played out in the form of like, you can't come in here okay. or you can't sit here well, then, or you, but, you but if you start talking about like leadership or service or different things like that, it gets a little dicier. Where I was just about to drill into that. Who <laughs> wouldn't you serve communion to? Hmm. I'd serve it to anybody because I, I don't have any way to test. Right. I would think it's the person. I don't know. Conviction I probably of, have served it to everybody. And okay. shouldn't we be serving it to everybody? I mean, that's always my question. Well, how would you ever? You gotta have a card or something, a stamp. Well, are you, I mean, are you saying the only example I can think of would be like a never will never happen, and so that's instantly not gonna come out of my mouth. <laughs> like the extreme stuff. Like so, to me. I, I feel like if I was to serve someone communion, it's me saying, I hope that you are doing the hard work and that you're standing here because you want yeah. to like communicate to God yes. that you need him. Commune. Right. And so I'm not going to like, whoa, 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 hold on. Yeah. <laughs> Recite to me your catechism or like make sure and tell me, make sure I know that you're, you know, in a good place. I'm a little bit more on the side of low buffer yeah. for that. There is high buffer. There's churches you cannot, unless you're a member, you cannot take that. Yeah, but have you ever heard of someone like stopping them? To, I you got yes. your story. Your guy yes. wouldn't let you on the stage to pray, which I thought was crazy. Wesleyan, but, but I was at a Greek Orthodox church and they looked right at me and said, "I know that you're not a member here, and I know that you're not Greek Orthodox. You can't take communion." Yeah, you got better stories than us. But I I get out there. <laughs> I was trying to infiltrate this Catholic so one res- time, but out of respect, I didn't do it because I everybody was going, and I was like, you know what, I'm just gonna go take communion. Well, I've been at uh, tons of Catholic services with Molly. There, she was raised Catholic, and uh, we go a number of times a year. Mom's, I could have gone up any time. No one would ever care. Now, well, the you lot- didn't, did you? No, I didn't. But they would have never known. I know. If it's I ever something did. about just. I preached. A, I did a. I preached in a Catholic service for. Uh, did you on the stage. Nice. Like for us, for a, for a funeral, but uh, like I actually gave the they called it the homily. homily yeah, and but 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 
I mean, I've never saw in any of the services I've been to at a Catholic thing them put their hand up and stop someone from taking communion. I think they would say you shouldn't, but I mean, we're a little bit getting in. The weeds in a yeah, bit, we are. So I, I'm just trying to think of the actual things, like because you said people can just go to churches. There's nobody saying we don't want you in this church. Yeah. So what are you talking about with acceptance? Like, have you heard a story, or do you know of something where someone doesn't feel accepted at a church, or isn't accepted? Well, yes. I have, I do know stories of people who haven't felt welcome at churches. Well, I mean, felt just, welcome. Yeah. I heard a story of someone in locally who was excommunicated from the church because they shared that they had, had same-sex attraction. And so the, the church has decided, and this was, a, I mean, this was years ago. But yeah. My high school, a kid got kicked out of the school, not for doing anything, but just admitting that he had same-sex attraction. They expelled him from the school. Levi, I mean, he's a friend. I don't know if we're sharing names or whatever, but he was a good friend of mine. So there's stories where, like, people do draw hard lines, you know, for, for that specifically and infidelity. Um, but, again, we come back to what is acceptance, you know. Yeah. I mean, I just I just look at it as I, I think of it as how do people, I'm trying to think of how best way to wrap my mind around this, but how's, you're right. I mean, so I, I kind of was too, way too broad, but how do we, I think of church and how do we get to a point where we feel like people are welcome? How do we feel like at a point, and I, and I guess you're right, Kirk, you do say, you said, well, people always feel welcome, but, but, but I always wonder, do they? Well, I always, feel, that's a whole nother thing that I'm not sure is controllable, how someone feels. There, there's because things you can, can do to scarred, make them feel one yeah. way or the other. Yeah. But I'll tell you this yeah. right now. I've, I, I talked to my, my own, someone I know really well. And they were, they were struggling. They were all over the place in their life, morally and everything else. And they said, I, I can't, I just can't go there because I can't go to that church because everybody's judging me. Everybody's looking at me and judging me. And the, the reality is nobody even knew who he was or what he was doing mm-hmm. at that church. So, what was that? Was he imagining? They didn't know him from anybody. So why would, there was no outward? Like it wasn't like he was covered in piercings or tattoos. So so like I, I feel like he was convicting himself, and he was a, he was like he was applying that over onto other people, going they're not accepting me. And I'm yeah, like, rejection. give me exactly what you mean. Did someone not let you sit down? Did someone look at you with weird? Sit in the back of the even bus. then, you know how it is. When I've been guilty of something, I feel like everybody's looking at me weird, but they don't even know what I did. So it's like, you know, your teacher's staring at you weird. Like, you're like, oh, they know that I <laughs> cheated or something. Like, you, I think you're convicting yourself sometimes, which is just a complicated thing. Yeah. So that's all, all I'm saying is feel welcome. Let's talk about what, what actually happened yeah, that's true. to feel that's welcome. True. Did someone say something to you? Did someone give you a cold shoulder? Was, it, was there an objective, observable thing? Because I agree. I think Dan's just given some great stories. But I grew up in a pretty like fundamental yeah. Christian. And, and I personally never, I know I heard, like I said, I heard people say things and do things behind other people's backs that were not good. And we're not, that was no, no way good. And so if that's what you're talking about, yes. Acceptance by not being a, a jerk when you, when you're like not with them. But I never, I didn't personally witness someone go like treated badly because of, and we're not trying to cross-examine Josh here. No, no, no. no, no I, just, like, I get it. It's like well, you, it's just, you did say re- earlier that I think acceptance is one of the big things the church is supposed to be. Yeah. Um, so I think, yeah, I think we got to figure that out. I mean, I want people to feel like, okay, so here's a verse that I was thinking through in First Timothy talking about the qualifications of an elder or deacon or whatever, and one of the lines was must be, must be well liked by outsiders, and not a lot of people talk about that. Yeah, what outsiders yeah. would ha- have you know that person in mind when they're like, who do I trust inside the church, and who do I, how do I, if I decided to go, would I know the guy? You know, I, would I like him well enough to to trust that I could go in there and and he's gonna take care of me no matter what? You know, and I want to be that. And you guys know I do, you know, yeah. like that's something that I take really seriously that people who I consider to be like outside of my tribe or whatever, like know that I'm safe. Um, 
spot. It's a hard. It's really hard work, because that's the easy person to just not think about. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. you don't really know if you're going to get any return on that investment. That's a and that's a, going back to gambling. <laughs> oh, great. Yeah, and I mean, I guess do do you? Uh, I'm just trying to understand that, like, the conversation personally, like myself, and how to talk and understand it too, because it it seems like you're referring to an ex, an experience or an idea that. Uh, you wish were different or um, trying to find a way through some some situation. I don't know if I'm making any sense. Is that fair? Like, are you are you asking like, man, this is what we're seems like we're supposed to be or what the church is supposed to be, but I've observed something different. Or yeah. are you saying like, like? How lined up are we with that idea? Are we, I say we, the church, whatever. But does that make sense? I'm not Yeah, I mean, to... I kind of do. Yeah, and maybe, like I said, maybe I'd have to think more deeper. And so, yeah, I kind of maybe got a little bit off track. But the idea of, of the church itself, how are we, how are we going to, can we be accepting of others? Again, whether it be race, I mean, it's not even so much race, race, other other ideologies again, uh, sexual orientation and all that stuff and 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 I always wonder does it as and I guess what I was asking you guys as a church, how are we going to work through the idea that and maybe we are more accepting maybe you're right maybe the people that I've talked to or heard from have said that they're just more like you said maybe they've just felt like they haven't been accepted or maybe they have been. But I guess my thought is, how are we as a church? You hear so much about people not being accepted, whether it be, again, sexual orientation, et cetera. How do we get to the point where we feel like they can be welcome? If we're truly trying to preach the gospel of Jesus, are we missing out on the fact that we should be more accepting of these people? And I, I say people, but for whatever reason, I feel like there are certain things that rub people the wrong way. And how do we just work through that? And I guess maybe it's not broad, maybe it's not finite enough i think that that one one of the things to keep in mind is that there are many many things in our society that are high buffer acceptance uh type things like i have no axe to grind with harvard but if i just walk into that place i'm for sure not accepted there like i've not gone through the process it's a high buffer the army has a pretty high buffer. Like you have to be a certain type of person and you have to be able to make it and to, to be there. And we generally speaking, most people are like, I get that. Like I accept that they have a standard. Now what the church I think gets in trouble is when it's a bait and switch and you say you're a low buffer and you say all are welcome. And then after a certain season, you walk with somebody and you realize that, they don't know that you have a standard about X, Y, and Z. Mm. And then all of a sudden yeah. they're like, oh, I'm not acceptable here. And I didn't know that until now. And there are a lot of efforts or there are some efforts, to, you know, to try and help churches be more clear. And I can see it's a double motive. I mean, some churches are like, we don't want to be clear because we want to get more people to come yeah. and be here and help support this thing, you know. And so we'll we'll deal with it as <laughs> as it comes and then there are other churches who are like, no, we, we find that it's our obligation to make sure people know, here is what our standards are, and if you don't like that, at least you know. And we can live in disagreement, and we can actually proceed from there as friends who disagree or whatever, but there's never going to be like this moment of like, you tricked me into being here. And I think that that's somewhat of a, a helpful conversation to get into. Does your church community have a clear, like, standard on what you're looking for for people who are sticking around that you're trying to to do primary secondary and tertiary uh things that you care about the primary like hopefully there's only like one or two things (laughs) that are primary in my kind of way of looking at it and then the secondary and tertiary things you're kind of like okay you know i'd be willing to flex with you a little bit on this based on worldview or perception where you're coming from and all that but we're agreeing on the primary stuff, and then that's clearly defined, and you can be here and be a part of this if you're in that primary like thing. That's my that would be my answer. That hmm. my my advice, like not that anybody was asking it, but No, that's a good way to describe it. No, that's a good it. way to describe um, it. 
because the true. I, I don't know if I love. People. I the more you talked about, it, the more I, I agreed with you. So I, I mean, there's maybe no point in saying this, but but I don't know if I love the word standard, uh, it, and it's only because it sounds like a bar you gotta get over, and you know, like yeah. that that literally means like a, a stand or like a whatever a hurt. I think maybe ideals is a word that I or a um, but I know what you meant. And yeah. that's what you, it's just, man, I just don't know. I think that I would start asking the question, what are the things I don't have to pray about? Like, I never, ever will have to pray about, do I need to, should I be faithful to my wife or not? Yeah. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, so you get a short list of those things of like, those are the must, you know, and then the maybes. But then, but then there's this interaction between like the church and its understanding of when you don't meet the, if you want to call it standards. Yeah. So like, if you aren't faithful to your wife, is your community a place that welcomes you when you're not faithful to your wife? And and I I think we're supposed to be. I don't think we're supposed to say you're not part of this. You're in or you're out based on whether you're fa- adhering to our ideals. Well, there's things you reap and things you sow, and, and I think in that situation you'll know the right thing to do based on the situation. Um, that's harder to parse out, but if you were to say, like, the guy or the gal is, like, really trying to hurt people and their family or whatever, then you have an obligation, I think, to protect as best you can. The, well, yeah, the people that but that's a separate to... issue then. No. if it, So if you're unfaithful to your wife and you have a malicious kind of persona, it I'm not going to accept you to come around her who we're trying to protect. I'll accept you, of course, as a human who bears the image of God. I'll give you the time of day. I'll speak clearly to you. And say that these are the boundaries that are that are between us. But I'm not gonna like. I'm not gonna make it easy for you to do that to to someone that you've made a commitment to, right? And so. I don't know that I would. It, it, yeah, I don't know. I, That's hard because if you own a grocery store, do you let the them come into your store if their wife's in there. Like, I just I've never looked at it that way. But maybe you've got a good like you're looking out for the one. I just. If the grocery store was a type of community where you come in and you're you're trying to be safe and worship God, do we have God laws for that? And laws like like if someone isn't supposed to be around somebody, you have like restraining orders and personal like, protection orders. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I'm talking. I just about just blowing my mind. I've never thought of the church like that. Of like discipline? a role of like. Church discipline. Yeah, I I thought, yeah. And I mean, it's probably good to be talking about this. Well, like I said, I think that in most situations, you'll know the right thing to do. Like, I've I've only been in that situation one time, and I knew. Like, I knew I had to go to that guy's house with two other guys, and we we had a hard conversation with him and said, look, I'm not going to support you in what you're doing. I think that's the right thing. I think you did the right thing. I'm not sure that that's you're acting in that role as an agent of the church and on behalf of the church is, is more of a friend and a Well, here's the situation. The gal worked at the church and so it was oh, okay. her job an yeah. obligation to yeah. be there. So she couldn't say, "Well, I'll just not go today because I know you're going to be there. It's this is my my income source." And so then we knew, again, like I said, you'll yeah, know the special. boundaries yeah, you have to draw. Yeah. You'll say, "Okay, we're going to have to take a little bit of a side here until the person who is the culprit of this actually starts to come around a little bit more. Mm. Not to belabor that scenario. I just feel like you'll know. No, yeah, you're providing an, uh, like a scenario, well, a real-world scenario. Door. That guy came knocking on the door, and we're like, hey, you're causing some trouble here. But I happen to have a bowl of communion right here, and if you want to repent and, and like yeah, come before that's good the Lord, idea. I'd be happy to serve this to you right here. Why do you have to go in there, you know? And if and if he's like, that's all I came here for, praise the Lord, or whatever, you know, then great. Yeah, 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 yeah. It, we gotta do our job, you know. But yeah, no, it's, and and then you gotta overlay that somehow with you know we're the sick don't need a the healthy don't need a doctor. It's the sick who, and I you know trying to understand the church and how like I've always felt it's like a repository for all the messed up. Not a, not a, yeah, not an bro- isolation, yeah. not an isolation for the fixed, <laughs> not a collection of the got it together. Right. And so I almost feel like 
your your qualifications to go to church increase the more messed up you are. Yeah, but when you're committing to be a part of something who has standards who are trying to do something, we act actually hold each other accountable. And I think, and I'm not trying to play a big role in this whole story, but that guy did return to his family. He did. Yeah. After a while, he felt like, I am ruining my life. I'm miserable. I did baptize him again in his new his other church that he mm-hmm. was going to. He called me out to go out there. And so I think that's the... The other side of it was like, a very it was yeah, a very a immediate situation. For who are in sickness, but sometimes you're making yourself sick, and you need to yeah. somebody needs to tell you, "I'm not going to support yep. that bad yep. habit anymore," yep. and do some tough love. And so, people, Josh is, I think, uh, struggling with the people who abuse tough love, and and say, "Oh, it's just tough love. I'm just going to kick you out of here." And yeah. And pretend like you're excommunicated, exiled from this group, but that's me loving you. If I didn't love, you know, and that yeah, that's you're, you're really right. hard. Yeah, and it's a, and it is hard. You're right. It's a it's a balance. You guys have said some good things. It's a balance of, of like you said, tough love, first acceptance, but tough love. And where is that balance? So maybe my question. Yeah, you're right. Maybe I've kind of lost the thought process so much as, at some point, you need to have the tough discussions, like you said, whether it be lifestyle choice whether it be a one-time choice but you're right maybe there is this balance of tough love yet accepting yet steering loving and being a community yeah yeah no i mean you got us talking for sure <laughs> that's a that's a maybe i was too vague but yet no. maybe we got down to a point i know and you're I, right and it made me think a little bit more about it as you talked about the stuff It sure is an adventure. <laughs> Church <laughs> is an adventure. Relationships are. And relationships are, too. Yeah. Especially when two guys set out on something. You have any more thoughts on that, Kirk? Or you no. look like you're a bite. Okay, perfect. Well, <laughs> I mean, I do, but I don't want to oh, talk okay. about it anymore. <laughs> it's good. No, We've no. exhausted it. We got to no. carry bad. stuff. We got to carry every stuff. Well, let's, uh, let's just get inspirational here and one of the reasons why we talk about adventure fun um exciting travel or whatever is to get people a little out of their comfort zone when i talk about adventure i think part of the people who are the problem in the church and being so strict about everything have never traveled I've never seen the world. I don't know any. It's a small world perspective. They have a very yeah. small worldview. And so they're like, you don't fit into my small worldview, therefore you don't fit into my world. I want you out of this world. Goodbye. Yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to excommunicate you. And sometimes people just need to travel. Sometimes people need just, just to, yeah, so. Well, we, there's, a, there's an aspect of adventure that I think is, an interesting concept. Uh, I learned it from a friend of mine named Pat. And I mean, I got thinking about it from, from some stuff he said, but um, if we think about our lives in terms of contribution, contribution to um, the world around us, if we don't think of our lives in terms of consumption, but we think about it in terms of contribution, Mm -hmm. what am I offering versus what am I taking? Uh, there, there's a line, There's an idea, and I just got you guys to respond to this and see what, what you think about it. But like that, if we have the same experience of everybody else, if we do what's normal and we don't go off, take a hard turn off the trail, off the road onto the trail or whatever, and have a different, like we talked about last last time, you know, like an unknown ending, we our our contribution di- uh, diminishes. Uh, in a sense, if, if we have nothing new to con- contribute to the conversation. So adventure in a, can be looked at from the perspective of I'm, I'm broadening, just like what you said, Dan, I'm broadening my view. I'm, I'm going to gain things and come back and bring something more to the conversation than what would have been here if I just did what everybody else is doing around me. And so, I mean, I feel like that happens all the time. Like when you when you go do something, you guys are gonna go to see Metallica. When is that? <sighs> Tomorrow night. And I can't wait to hear like your stories about it because you'll contribute to our conversation and and bring something from the outside in. 
And that was just a silly example. Yeah. But that, in essence, uh, that's what we're, I think we're, we're tempting to do. And so, that, so then you can even talk about it in terms of like our families and stuff. And you have these parents who, uh, who almost lose their lives for their kids. Like they, their lives become so uh, child-centric that they lose who their interests and who they are and what they do. No more hobbies, no more trips, no more. And in essence, they've lost some contribution. I, I'm making an argument or making, raising the idea that in essence, in some way, you're losing your contribution to what you're giving your kids. Who dad was, who whatever it was, is <laughs> now become, I mean, if, you, if who your dad that, was is just. said a child would re- resent themselves. If they found out that you're you used to be someone really fun, I don't. Know, that's a that's a good question. And then you gave that up for them, and they wouldn't ever say to you that you're the reason why they became less fun. But you kind of feel like, how could you avoid feeling like now I, I have to really make something out of myself because, or or I just feel bad. My yeah. my dad used to be cool and do all this stuff, and they didn't anymore because of me. <laughs> what do you think, Josh? I agree. I think you're right. The idea of finding yourself and doing these things, I mean, from a, a, a father slash family situation, I think it, it, it shows, it gives them a sense of adventure, I think, in a way. Like, it gives them an idea. I mean, I constantly preach to my two boys, especially this last few weeks over spring sports. You got it. You don't know. You don't, you don't know if you don't like it till you try it. Mm-hmm. Try it. If you hate it, don't do it again. But you can't say you don't know. You know yeah. you don't know what you got. To your, your contribution diet. to the conversation is much less if you never went out and tried Correct. it and came back and said, "I so, hate that." What's that? <laughs> what did you say? <laughs> that is lines. I probably have. <laughs> but. Yeah. Where did that come from? I don't know. I can tell you try it. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. Oh. That breaks down pretty <laughs> we quick. Can, we can go in a whole bunch of different directions <laughs> with that one. But no, from a family fatherhood parent aspect, I agree. I mean, I, I I see so many people, and again, it's probably not all wrong. I think sometimes people probably would say, I'm doing this because I didn't get the opportunity. So I'm gonna pour into my kids what I didn't get. Yeah. But sometimes that can be overcompensation. But at the same time, there. But it still is good to show them that you're out doing stuff, whether they like it down the road or they do it. It's not the point. They can at least say, "Yeah, mom and dad were doing." Oh, I see. my! The reaction and proaction. So the reaction would be the opportunities I didn't have. I want to make available. Yeah, my kids. The I re- overcompensate. Proact being proactive is saying, "I now have a lot of opportunities to be someone inspirational for yeah. my kids." So it's same coin yeah almost like be almost being 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 showing them by doing not by trying to push into yeah. them what your your ideas but I, just doing some of the stuff and i always think about that with like my grandpa uh who my son's named after who oh, i loved i loved ari my grandpa um Behrens, and he i think back about him and i only loved it so hanging out with him so much he he never did anything i wanted to do Never. Like I we didn't he didn't skateboard. He didn't he didn't take me to he took me on stuff he loved to do. And he like what, fishing? Yeah, fishing, working in the gar- like hoeing in his garden, like golfing. Grandpa, we're like show me how to but but my grandpa, he had a personality and he and he was somebody. Like he wasn't bent around me. I was bent around him and he was somebody to be bent around. He was a formidable thing like he had a sense of adventure he was always off doing something he was uh i mean i just he he almost says like a icon in my mind because he's so and i and i just think it's such a different perspective than the the kind of the way the world's kind of bending around kids these days and i mean i'm pushing it a little bit but that's just how i feel about it and and i want to keep that a little bit for my my own family well, there's a, there's a balance, right? I don't. Correct. I'm not gonna go off every weekend, never Correct. be home because I'm myself, and you're gonna deal with it. But it's like, but I mean, I, you know, Dan, what I mean, take note. I've heard that, yeah, yeah. Take note, Dan. And, uh, Who are but you? there's a balance. But I think the balance. I guess I would say is I think probably my gut yeah. is that the balance is too far the other way right now. 
we're we're like bending our society around kids. Okay. And they're losing of of a contribution to yeah. them. Well, that let me all right. Let me take it down a little rabbit trail here that will explain some of this in a kind of a cool way. Name, just off the top of your head, some of the greatest stories ever ever told. Whoa, that's a big question. All right, this is no, a big just question. just biggest movies. I mean, biggest stories that you that come to mind. I don't think there's a wrong answer. Lord of the Rings. Movie. A Stand by Me. A few good men. Okay. Have you ever seen Stand By Me? You kind of reacted yeah. like you'd never seen I'm it. I'm trying to think. I can't remember if the I. The boys got to go find the dead body. Yeah, they go out. And one like kid gets uh, a leech. leeches on his goods. Tell me more. It's just. Where do they begin? It, in their hometown. Where do they? What happens next? Goonies. What happens next? With the uh, Stand By Me. Yeah. They hear on the radio someone's uh, dead, and then they hear someone else say they know where the body is. Yeah. So they're like, oh, we heard where the body might be. And and let's go find it. They go. Exactly. Yeah. It's this sense of adventure. It's exactly. these kids who go on through Star different Wars. scenarios. Yeah. You guys both have seen Star Wars. Yeah. He's on a planet with an uncle. Yeah. What's the planet called? Like, Tatooine. Tatooine. Or, yeah. And then, How do you know that? And then <laughs> he gets a call basically to. No, well, he actually did, doesn't go, but his family gets, or his uncle gets killed, so then he ends up leaving. But no, he yeah, he goes with his uncle. Whatever happened, yeah. his, his family got killed. Yeah, right? they oh, that's right. Yeah. So, all right. So Joseph Campbell um, was a professor who came up with this thing called the hero's journey, and you can look up this process, and he's basically synthesized all the greatest stories in the world I've told yep. with the same exact pattern. And it starts off, if you're going in a circle, it starts off in the place that's comfortable. And then there's a clear line that you cross. And you go into this place of troubles. In the place of troubles, you are equipped with friendships, companions, and tools. But then you, then you cross another threshold, which is into a great trial, where you have to fight against some dragon or whatever. You then normally see the character fail. And then return again to succeed. But then after that, they return. But they always return with a gift. So leave the Shire. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Get the, get the friends, get the sword, get yep. the, you know, whatever. Go on the, the tr- true trial, right, I- adventure. And then eventually, where's the end of that story? They're back in the Shire, and he's got a pen to the page, and he's writing the story which is his gift and contribution to everybody, this adventure, right, that he went on. Um, yeah. And that's kind of this big cycle that most people, most of the people at the end of a movie or a story will have at least at least a look that they give each other when they're about to part ways and go home. And even that look of, of like, camaraderie or solidarity yeah. often can be counted as this gift of friendship and companionship that like is unbreakable this bond you know and so my point in saying all of this is if we deny people to leave the shire we're denying everyone the gift that they'll Mm. return with on the other end of it yeah and so if like christ i mean if he never leaves you know heaven to go on his trial or whatever, he never returns with the gift of, I mean, everybody. Like, every story has kind of that pattern. Yeah, and you're right. You're right. I think that we, as, or, I mean, I'm not, my child is not born yet, but as, a, as parents, I don't think we're doing a service to children by keeping them. I think we need to be packing the bags and, and help letting them know that, like, it's good to go. We want you to go because when you return, you're going to benefit all of us with whatever you return with. Yeah. And I think that's kind of what you guys were saying. Yeah. yeah. Like exactly. You're what you're right. About. You're right. That's yeah. well said, especially from a family. I mean, again, because us, we have a more older, we have older kids. You're, you kind of said it perfectly is you want to equip them to go out and do stuff. You want to equip them to try stuff because you're right. That, that, whether it be an accomplishment, a trial of something, they will come back, whether it be knowledge, whether it be something that benefits all of us. But you're right. It, it just is this continual circle of, I don't know, 
life's adventures, you know, knowing, getting, yeah. it's like this continual knowledge well, of these, it's almost like a knowledge. The well, the what original, was you know, what was the pirate on Goonies name? Willie or something like that. Oh, <laughs> dude, that guy, the, the weird gold looking. Thing they come back with, or whatever. Yeah, the, the end, boat you know? sails <laughs> out the end. I mean, I don't know. I mean, sorry, Kirk. Yeah, no, that. that's exactly uh, the I I referred to Pat at the beginning, and um, he's an artist, and he said uh, the conversation happened where I kind of the light bulb came on for me was he said if I have the same experience as everybody else, I'll bring nothing new to the table as far as art's concerned. And so he's looking at all these other artists. They're all trying to do the exact same yeah. thing. They're all going to the same art schools. The That's same... why you should marry somebody you hate. Exactly. You know? exactly. Then you're going to bring Well, if you did diversity. and you learned to love them, you'd really be bringing something to yeah, the society. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you want somebody exactly like you? Boring. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so... He would, you know, he he like drops out of art school and jumps on <laughs> freight trains and he's riding around and he's doing a bunch of stuff that career-wise didn't make a ton of sense. But now he has a big world view. Like he's been all over. He's seen all kinds of stuff, and his art is now richer, deeper, broader because he, so his creations, <laughs> his the things that come from him are are richer. Because if he's bringing a broader experience, so it's the same thing with kids, same thing with friends, same thing with if you work at a job and it's lame and you come in with great stories all the time, or you you came from another industry and you bring in it in, like if you if you if you go if you define adventure as like an unpredictable and unknown outcome, you're automatically going to be getting stuff that is is valuable, right? Because yeah. you're going to be getting a bunch of stuff that other people don't have, or theoretically. Anyways. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe one of the worst possible ideas in this whole thing would be someone who has experienced an unbelievable amount of adventure but has not shared it with anyone. Yeah. And, like, you kind of see sometimes, like, on stories where people will meet an old man and they'll, like, open up this suitcase they found in the attic and find that he's, like, was, like, a cartographer in Africa or something and he's just like never told him anything but and I and I hate it when people position themselves in such a way for whatever reason where they can't sure bring their uh, life experience to their sphere of influence or whatever because it's just so amazing maybe there'll be some kernel of value in this podcast for that very reason yeah we're on an adventure that's right we are on an adventure (laughs) All right. Well, we're looking forward to uh, anybody who has any questions uh, about what we're talking about or anything that you'd like us to kind of discuss. Email us at steepletownpod at gmail.com. And, you know, we're looking at a pretty robust um, schedule of things to talk about in the future. We have the importance of dragonflies, guns, um, intrinsic value in difficulty. We have things coming down the pike like um, <laughs> Christian music, and does that <laughs> is that even a thing? Did did Jesus die for that? For DC song? talk, uh, you know, uh, we've got uh, all kinds of stuff like that. So be looking forward to it. Keep thinking. Be inspired. And um, one of the gifts that we're giving to you all out there is making this conversation mobile. So you can download and take a hike. Not in a bad way, but you can go out on an adventure and take us everywhere mm-hmm. you go. And so that's a really beautiful idea about technology and innovation. So uh, I'm Dan. I'm Josh. I'm Kirk. And... Uh, just want to say thanks for listening. Thank Shine you. On, you. Crazy diamonds. Crazy.